are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. All I am and have ever done is because of the Lord and those who've invested in me. Brother Treber's been a lot greater friend to me than I've ever been to him. When I got saved, the Lord put me in the saddle of the ministry and serving him. But the last 33 years is because Brother Treber has kept me in the saddle. I don't know how many times he's texted me or called me during a valley or a discouraging time, and it was just always in the nick of time. There is no place like this church. There is no place like this. Your young people, your orchestra, your choir, even the trick-or-treaters that came tonight. Uh, <laughs> I was looking at Brother Nikolai's outfit. Brother Nikolai, you have to see him tonight. He's got little knickers on and his legs are showing. And I told Brother Nikolai, I said, you're causing lust. You're causing lust during the missions conference. And several people were throwing up when they saw him. And uh, so, uh, tell you what, there's no place like this. What a spirit. What a spirit. Then you're here on Sunday and then on Monday and then here on Tuesday night. I have been touched. I wish I could have brought my whole church to be here tonight. But thank you for being here. Thank you for your faithfulness. It was not too many years ago before I moved to Napa, the church was having a business meeting. The church was actually voting to close the doors. The pastor was discouraged. They just couldn't get the thing going. They were in heavy debt. So they were having a either a Monday or Tuesday night business meeting, the vote was, we're going to shut the doors, sell the property, distribute the money. Brother Treber heard through the grapevine they were doing that, and he showed up uninvited to the meeting. And he and a preacher friend sat there during the meeting as everyone moaned and groaned and talked about all the problems. And when they were done, Brother Treber just kind of interrupted and stood up and said, you know, I don't have the answer for all your problems and I can't pay all your debt. But what are you going to do when you shut the doors? What am I going to tell my kids why there's no soul winning church in Napa? He said, I think you ought to stay open and I've got $1,000 tonight and I just hope you keep the church open. About that time, a spark of revival came into that building and a man said, you know, I think he's right. I've got $1,000, and I need to give that. Someone else said, I've been keeping 5000 in the bank for a rainy day. I think it's raining right now. And they began raising money, and there was a spirit of, we ought to stay open. You know why? That man right there. He's the church and the pastor's encourager. And anything great that's going on in our city, if you ever hear of something going on, him and your church has a part of that. Thank you so much for loving your pastor and his wife and his kids and being such faithful people. Thank you for the youth conference. Thank you for the Bible college where three of my children received their diplomas and also their mates. And to the single girls, I want to say this. My son Paul was here for a whole year and you let him trickle through your fingers. 
He has two degrees. He has a car. He has money in the bank. And he's single. I said that in the Philippines. I said, if you're interested in marrying my son Paul, just, just form a line right down here and we'll go out the building and around the building if we have to. After the service, four single girls were standing there. I said, can I help you? They said, we want to meet Paul. <laughs> what a great place. I noticed we're getting older. I moved here when I was 29, black hair. We have our gospel tracks, and for some reason, I've not updated the photo. And I'll give out tracks, and I'll say, I'm the pastor, and the people will say, that's not you. And I'll say, at one time it was. You know, you know you're getting old when instead of talking about your children, you're in the lobby after church talking about your surgeries. So two years ago, I finally had the total knee replacement done. It's when they cut your leg in two, two inches off here, two inches off here, pull out the knee, put in a metal knee. Long recovery and your own drugs, your own painkillers. And so my leg is propped up. It's on that ice vibrating machine and I'm taking every, I, I'm being faithful to what the doctor told me. I was taking the, the painkillers every, uh, it was either every four, four every hour, or it was two every other hour, or two every three every 10 minutes or something like that. <laughs> and I had my leg propped up and I'm, and I'm faithfully trying to self-medicate and I'm trying to pastor the church at the same time. So I'm getting texts and what time is soul winning tonight? Do you know so-and-so? And what are we gonna do about it? And I'm trying to run the thing. And, and so uh, meals started coming in. You know, we've brought meals and finally we're a recipient. So I'm getting meals from the members. And one sweet lady had uh, texted. She said, uh, I'll be bringing your meal over tonight, pastor. And, and I'm thinking about that. And then a man said, we're working on the baptistry. And, we don't think we'll have it fixed by Sunday, Pastor. And, you know, you know the water may be cold. And I'm, and I'm thinking, you know, why are you working on this Saturday night? You know, we're getting ready to baptize tomorrow. And if you had converts, you'd make sure the water was warm. What do you mean the water's going to be cold? So, so I just shot back a text to him. And I said, if it's not hot, you'll baptize Sunday in your shorts. Sin. Well, the text did not go to the man working on the baptistry. The sweet little lady who had said, I'm bringing your meal over right now. She gets a text, if it's not hot, you'll baptize Sunday in your shorts. She texts back, it'll be hot. If you have your Bibles, would you open them for a few moments to the book of Acts, if you will, the book of Acts, Acts chapter number seven. And as you're finding that, I know you've been taught well, the book of Acts is, is the, is the follow-up from the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, death, burial, resurrection of Jesus. It's, it's the church that Jesus started, the book of Acts. Uh, the, uh, the word Acts is short for action, so the church is now 
in action. And every chapter's moving. Chapter one, they're praying. Chapter two, they're filled with the Holy Spirit. Chapter three, they're out soul winning and healing. And chapter four, there's persecution. Chapter five, God kills two of their church members. It's really exciting. And, and chapter six, uh, the deacons are delegated. And chapter seven, uh, a deacon is stoned. Chapter eight, they're being, per and, and on and on. So it's just really, really going. So we find here, we're in the book of Acts, and I thought I had something else to say. We're just gonna jump right into the message. But Acts chapter eight, and you may remain seated. We're gonna skip around just a little bit. And the Bible says in verse number 26, and a little background, Philip is preaching. He's preaching in Samaria. Uh, as persecution came, he left the mother church, Jerusalem, and now he's preaching in another area. So, so a missionary, if you will, Acts 8 and verse number 26. So during this revival, people are being saved, lives are being changed, people are being healed. Verse 26, and the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south. Any Southerners here? Okay, there you go. Joe Arthur, that's his life's verse. Go toward the south, right there. Unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. And he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority, under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure and had come to Jerusalem for to worship, was returning and sitting in his chariot, read Isaiah, or the book of Isaiah, the prophet. Then the spirit said unto Philip, go near, join thyself to this chariot. Philip ran thither to him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah and said, understandest thou what thou readest? And he said, how can I except some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. And the place of the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter like a lamb dumb before his shearer so open he not his mouth. Of course, a prophecy, Isaiah 53, about Jesus dying on the cross. And then in uh, verse 35, then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. Verse 37, and Philip said, if thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God. You know the story, he gets baptized. I wanna pray and then just, just kind of jump in. Father, bless this time. Thank you for the sweet spirit already here tonight. Please help us in Jesus' name, amen. So here's the story, and then we'll get right into the message. So here's Philip. Philip is preaching this great, great revival. Everything good is going on. He's got every reason to stay where he is. Very comfortable, very secure. So all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit taps him on the shoulder and says, I want you to go to the desert. It didn't make a lick of sense. Sometimes what God tells us to do doesn't make sense to us. And sometimes when a missionary goes to the foreign field, it doesn't make any sense to family, loved ones, business associates, neighbors. They wonder, why are you doing this? So he just goes into the desert. And of course, the further he travels, finally he sees a man in his chariot sitting probably under a palm tree, drinking a Starbucks. I don't know what flavor it was, maybe a frappuccino or something. And he's sitting there reading his Bible. How unusual. When is the last time you went into McDonald's and it was just a family reading their Bible? Or maybe it was a group of people coming out of a movie theater and they all had Bible. Hey, hey, hey they're reading their Bible. Or maybe you went out to eat somewhere and, and uh, folks are just studying their Bible. You don't see that very often. Something was going on. And, and so he comes and he says, what are you doing? He says, I happen to be reading this passage and I don't understand it. He leads him to Christ. The guy was ready. He was waiting. There's a verse in Psalm 140 
2, verse 4, David is fleeing for his life. It's a very famous verse that goes something like this. He said, I looked on my right hand and refuge failed me. And then it ends up saying, no man cared for my soul. If you study that passage out, what that verse means is this. No one came looking for me. David said I had to leave home. I almost got killed. I'm living in a cave. Is, is anyone looking for me? Does anyone know that I'm in this cave? I want to speak this evening for a few moments on this. They're waiting. They're waiting. Usually when we preach at our churches, we try to comfort, we try to encourage, we try to help. And almost every sermon we ever preach is for us. Tonight, it's, it's not for us, it's for them. I want to answer three questions just quickly here. And I do want to say this. You say, well, pastor, I've got all these burdens, I've got all these problems. But if you really think about it, compared to unsaved people, we have no problems. We may have issues and problems here for a, Paul said, our light affliction, which worketh but a moment, but we get to spend eternity in heaven. They may have all the riches and fame and joys down here, but then they burn in hell for all eternity. We've got it made. I wanna answer three questions about this passage. Number one, what? This is, this is, this is what we're supposed to be doing. The go in the Great Commission, go into all the world. Years ago, I went to a Bible college, not gonna name it, it was in Texas, it wasn't Golden State. J. Frank Norris had started this college and he was a hero, I'd read his books, never got to meet him. But they said J. Frank Norris made this statement, I would do anything to keep a man out of hell. I went to his grave that was printed on his tombstone. I would do anything to keep a man out of hell. Years ago, I had read the story about a famous cowboy. He was a, uh, he was a bull rider that, that J. Frank Norris had led to Christ in the hospital. He had gotten gored by a bull. His name was known all over Dallas, Fort Worth, where his church was. And so Norris went to the hospital, led him to the Lord. And he said, you want to get baptized? And he said, yes, I do. And Norris was a sensationalist. His church services were broadcast on the radio. And so he said, he said to his assistant pastor, Claude Bonham, and I heard this out of Bonham's mouth. He said, Claude, we're going to baptize the famous cowboy Sunday. Yes, sir. He said, I want his horse here because that's his best friend. His name's Hall Guys. He said, do what, sir? He said, I want his horse here. You know, the rider and the horse, you know, they're just like that. Yes, sir, I'll have him here. So they broadcast and they announced that and they brought that famous cowboy in a stretcher, got ready to baptize him, said, Claude, bring up his horse. And Claude Bonham brought that horse all the way down the aisle, all the way up the steps, First Baptist Church there in Fort Worth, all the way up to the baptistry. Bonham told me this. He said, the cowboy looked at his horse and said, hog guys, we're tired of sinning, aren't we? And the horse did this. <laughs> he said, we're not going to live that way anymore, are we? And the horse went, <laughs> he baptized him. It was broadcast on the radio. Bonham said, after the service dismissed, there were streams of people coming in off the streets, down the aisle saying, if it's good enough for the cowboy, it's good enough for me. We want to get saved. 
He said the staff was on the platform all afternoon leading souls to Christ because they heard it on the radio. That's what we're supposed to be doing, leading horses down the aisle. That's why we have Pumpkin Sunday because we'll do anything that's legal and ethical to get somebody saved. That's why we have Goldfish Sunday. By the way, orange gets people to heaven. We don't have Apple Sunday. We don't have, oh, okay. Uh, so we even had Barney come to our church one time. It was a catastrophe. Dinosaurs help people get saved. All these people tried to help those that were waiting. It was Rahab filled her house with people that were waiting for the delivery after Jericho fell. It was the four friends that brought their friend and, and cut the hole in the roof. He was waiting to be healed. It was Cornelius that filled his house and they were waiting with Simon Peter to hear the gospel. The whole book of John is people that were waiting. Nicodemus chapter three to talk to Jesus. Chapter four, a woman at the well waiting to hear about the water of life. Chapter five, the man waiting at the pool uh, 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 to be healed. And, and then the lad with the lunch and then uh, Lazarus waiting to be healed and raised from the dead. Years ago, I knocked on a door. I was upstairs in Napa. A fella invited me in. His name was Howard. He said, come on in. And he had a piece of paper and a pen on the table. And I walked over and I looked at it. It just said, dear God, would you please help me? He was in the midst of writing a letter to the Lord. By the way, he got saved. He was waiting. I knocked on a door, kind of a dumpy apartment area years ago, knocked on a door. The door opened. I said, I'm the pastor from, and just a great big guy. I'm mean, a big guy. He was probably five foot five, something like that. I mean, a big guy. He opened the door. And I said, I'm the pastor from, he said, where have you been? I said, sir, I don't even know you. I'm the pastor. He says, where have you been? I said, I don't know what you're talking about. I, I'm just here to invite you to church. He said, for three days I've been praying. I saw something on TV and I've wanted to be saved. And I prayed to God that he'd send someone here to show me how to get saved. Where have you been? I said, I got here as quick as I could. They're waiting, they're waiting. Jerry Rice was, and I like Jerry Rice. Jerry Rice, the football star, was being recruited out of high school by UCLA and USC and uh, many of these big name teams. He ended up going to college and playing for Mississippi Valley State University. How many of those fans are here? Probably. Someone asked him, they said, Jerry, you could have played for any of these big name teams. Why did you go to Mississippi State Valley College? He said, they were the only ones that came to my house. Out of all the recruiters, they were the only ones that cared enough about me and my family to see where I live and to meet my family. He said, that's where I'm going to church, to, to college. You know, the door to door is not the only way to win souls, but it still works. I don't know how many times people say, oh, you go door to door in the daytime, how's that working? Somebody's home. You go door to door, somebody is home because someone is waiting. Years ago, Brian Stensis, the missionary to Uganda, spoke at our church. I was sitting on the platform and it was in the early days of their ministry and he said something like this. 
He said, our nation is dying from AIDS. Many do not have the strength to crawl or come to our church. We have got to have a radio tower. We've got to broadcast the radio so they can hear the gospel. He said, it costs $1,300 to, to put up a tower, just $1,300. I stopped the service. I probably shouldn't have done it. I just walked up and I said, $1,300, huh? He said, $1,300. I said, I'll give the first three. People just started jumping up. I'll give a hundred, I'll give a hundred, I'll, I'll give two. In, in about five seconds, we'd raise the money. People were angry, they didn't get their hand up in time. They built the radio tower. Years later, he is, he is in the jungle and someone says, would you come to our village, Brother Stensis? No white man has ever come, no missionaries ever come to our village. Would you, would you come and preach? He said, okay, and it was hours into the jungle and, and they said, Come, come to our church. He says, you have a church? There's never been a missionary here. Yes, we built a church. And he got closer and closer and they said, come meet our pastor. He said, I thought no missionary's ever been here. And you got a church and you got a pastor? And he stepped inside of the building. There was a wooden stump and a radio. They said, meet our pastor. His name is Brian Stensis. He said, I'm Brian Stensis. They said, we heard your radio broadcast and all of us got saved. And so we knew we needed a church. So every week we turn the radio on and listen to you. You're our pastor. <laughs> Just an offering. They were waiting. It was 2005. Some of you remember the story. There's other similar stories. Took place in Tampa, Florida. It was called the girl looking out the window. And the story goes that there was this girl that never went out to play in the neighborhood. It was a ghetto area, and it was a woman and her two grown sons. Just very ghetto, and the kids would play, and they just wondered why this girl never came out. She just stared out the window. Finally, CPS was called and they investigated the house. The little girl had lived in a closet for seven years. She had never been outside in her whole life. The house was four feet deep in diapers and filth. They said as they walked in the house, it sounded like they were walking on glass because of all the cockroaches they were stepping on. The girl could not speak. She had digressed because of no communication. They rescued that girl out of that situation. The neighbors began feeling very guilty. They said, we can't get that girl's face out of our mind. The girl just staring out the window, wishing she could come outside, wishing she could eat solid food. They fed her out of a bottle for seven years, never ate solid food in her life abused you know, as we think of how terrible that is physically there's people all over the world they're just looking out the window they're captive by sin and captive by Satan and captive by false beliefs and they're just looking out longing I wish I could have some freedom I wish someone understood what I'm going through would someone rescue me they're waiting there was a submarine December 17th, 1927. Maybe Brother Alvin would remember this. 
1927. And this American submarine sunk off the coast of Massachusetts. And back then, they didn't have all the communication and all the, the radios as much as we have now. And as that submarine sunk, they worked diligently to try to see how they could get it back on top of the water because their oxygen was running out. They sent divers down to the side of the submarine and at that time, the divers could hear Morse code. They could hear the tapping, the old Morse code where the dots and the dash long and the sharp sounds. They could hear the people inside, the soldiers, tapping. Here's what they tapped. Is there any hope? Is there any hope? That's what they were tapping as they were running out of oxygen. That's what the world's tapping tonight. That's what our young people in our country with the tie-dyed hair and the, and, the, and, the, and the mohawks and all the piercings and all the tattoos, they're just tapping. Is there any hope? It's what these young couples are tapping. Uh, they hadn't figured it out. Is there any hope? It's what the drug addicts and the alcoholics are tapping. Is there any hope for us? That's what the immigrants coming to America are saying. Is there any hope here for us? And I thank God with this great church here, we can tap back and we can say, yes, there's hope. As long as there's a North Valley Baptist church and there's a missions program like this and young people like you have and the college going as it is, yes, there's hope. Second question about the text I have is who? Who does God use for those that are waiting? He uses just ordinary people. He used a D.L. Moody with an eighth grade education. He used a Charles Spurgeon who everyone said his head was too big. They said for his body, his head was too big. He was an uncomely looking man. Great preacher, but physical appearance, he, he looked more like a Charlie Brown than a Charles Spurgeon. Who did he use? He used a Billy Sunday, an orphan whose dad was killed in the Civil War. Who did he use? He used the Uncle Bud Robinson who stuttered and had seizures and oftentimes fell down while he preached, got up, wiped the, uh, the, uh, the spit off of his face and finished the sermon, but he had thousands and thousands saved. You've heard the story. I'll make it brief. Someone was selling a violin at an auction. They said, let's start the bid at $5. Who'll give five? Who'll give five? Who'll give 10? Five once, five... About that time, someone picked up the violin, put it to their chin, began playing beautiful music. It was a master playing the violin. He played a song, set it down. Then the auctioneer said, who'll start the bid at $1,000? Who'll give it? And the value went up. Why? Because it was in the master's hand. Young people, I just want to say this. You don't have to be smart. You don't have to be good looking. You don't have to have a lot of money. You don't have to have a whole family. Uh, you can be from a dysfunctional background, but if you'll put your, 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 your violin and your life in the master's hand, he can play some beautiful music all over this world. You say, well, pastor, this thing of, and by the way, the Great Commission is here and everywhere. 
We're all missionaries. Some cross the line and they're foreign missionaries. I came from Louisiana to California. I thought I was a missionary. No one supported me. I don't even have a display table. You know, we had pink hair, skateboard. Here's what AIDS is like, you know. In the, uh, no, no, we didn't do that. Some of you, maybe you're here tonight saying, well, I'm never going to a foreign field. I just don't feel led and I don't feel led to, to win souls. It's never by feeling. The feelings always come later. Psalm 126, five and six, they that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth and weeping, here's what happens. Here's how it goes. The pastor's bragging on me and and I don't believe all that stuff he's saying, but I know this, I don't always feel like going soul winning. When it's Thursday night, I say, I don't wanna go. I wanna stay in the easy chair. I feel led to win all the people that come by my easy chair what I want to do. I'd rather be fishing. I'd rather be uh, sending animals to heaven. (laughs) I've never killed any animals. I just, I know they wanted to go to heaven. I just helped them. That's all I ever did. But I know this, once I get out, I start to feel it. See, the go comes before the burden. He that goeth forth and weepeth. You got to go before you ever have the compassion. You go and you see what sin does and you see the broken hearts and you see the kids without dads and you see what sin's done to people. Uh, you go and you see the emptiness and soon your heart's broken and then you're feeling it. Go comes before the burden. Go comes before the joy. He that goeth forth shall doubtless come again with rejoicing. We have a soul winning bus on Thursday night. So here it is. People get on the bus and it's like, you got the tracks. You got any track? You got any Spanish? We're out of Spanish. Who's got some Spanish? Uh, who needs a part? I don't have a part. Mine didn't show up. Kind of griping. But on the way back, hey, we won someone tonight. Woo, it was good to be here. See, the joy comes after, not before. If you wait for the feeling, it's never going to come. Stories come after the go. Well, we always hear all these stories you people have. You go, and then you get the stories. Jesus sent the 70 out and they came back and they said, Lord, we raised the dead. We cast out them. Man, it was some cool things that happened. We were getting ready for our big day. Same, same time you had your big day. You know why we had such a big day? We were inviting your members. <laughs> Would you like to come to our church? No, no, we didn't do that. So I was supposed to have a partner. So I invited a new man in our church. He'd been baptized about two weeks before. The first door. The first door, we're just starting the day. The first door, big sign, mean dog. Okay, there's a gate. Someone comes out, they open the gate, yes! Then the dog comes out, and it's a pit bull. And I've got this brand new partner with me, and that pit bull is big and he's hungry. There's body parts in the front yard. There's human remains. And then when that dog came out, I said, you better not bite me. I've got a metal knee. And I just kind of backed up like that. And, well, my partner was running. And pit bulls like moving targets. And man, he's running and he's chasing. And he picks up a great big rock, not the dog, but my partner. He picks up a great big rock. And I said, what are you going to do? He said, I'm going to stick it in his mouth. <laughs> hey, that's not bad. I've been soul winning for 49 years. 
I've been bit by one German shepherd, been bit by two pit bulls, been shoved down one flight of stairs. Not bad for 49 years. See, what soul winning does, it adds excitement to our boring life. <laughs> Running from a pit bull is more exciting than this. Or this. Or this. Now you got a story. <laughs> well, I've got a story. Uh, we've never seen that guy since, but, but it was really exciting. It was, a, it was a great story. I must hasten. Where these two kids that rode our bus, they were bus kids from Chicago, Arsino and Marcello. One was nine, one was 11. We invited their mother, never could get her to come to church. So we figured we'd bring church to them. And so we asked her, can we have a church service at the house? Both your boys feel called to preach. We'll have them preach. Okay. We set it up, little chairs, made a little pulpit. Arsino got up, the Bible says. He preached on John 3, 16. His brother got up, Ephesians 2, 8, 9. And he's preaching, like five minutes each. I look over and I see mom and tears are escaping her eye. So mama, you wanna get saved? I'd really like to get saved. She got saved under her children's ministry. God can use teenagers. God can use the elderly. And so when Clark Firestone, World War II hero, came to our church, shot down at the Battle of Midway, 17 days in a life raft. They thought he was dead. He woke up in a morgue with a sheet over his head. He came to our church, joined our church. He was in his 90s. We were starting a church in Oakland. He got on the bus, Pastor. He, he's like 92. He gets on the bus. I said, what are you doing, Brother Firestone? Helping start the Oakland church. I said, all right. So we let him off on Washington Street. I said, down the street. You know, you're passing out flyers. Yes, sir. So by the time he got off the bus, it was time for him to get back on. <laughs> he's the man when, when, when Pearl Harbor movie came out, he said, Pastor, I know we shouldn't go to movies, but I was at Pearl Harbor, and I want to see if they made the movie the way it was. I said, Brother Firestone, you're a World War II hero. I'm not going to tell you anything. Do what you want to do. He pulls his car up. You know, the danger is he's driving a car. He drove to the movie theater, got out, tripped over the curb, landed on the sidewalk, had to call an ambulance. I visited him in the hospital. Here's what he said. I survived Pearl Harbor but I didn't survive the movie. <laughs> God can use you no matter what age you are, there's something you can do for the cause of Christ. Carl Hatch, great soul winner, was in a head-on collision toward the end of his life, very crippled and couldn't be rambunctious and had this uh, three-legged little cane and he couldn't do door-to-door -door soul winning. He couldn't stop traffic like he used to and witness. He'd just go into McDonald's and sit, sit in one of the booths. He didn't say, hey, come here. Come here. Come here, sit right here. You know, people obey an old man. Hey, look, if you're an old man, people will listen to you. I said if you're, uh, anyway. Oh, Brother Meister pastored in Santa Maria, Louisiana for years. It's just way out in the, Way out in the swamps of Louisiana, you take a left at the alligator's head and then right at the Miette's house and then the old uh, broken jug, you know, where the uh, Walmart wanted to build a building, you turn, it's just way out there. He said someone moved to their town and they said, so how are we gonna find a church here? 
How are we going to find a church in this bayou town? Brother Meister said, if you just stay home long enough, they'll find you. And it ought to be that way in all of our areas. If, you, if they just stay home long enough, we'll find them. They're waiting. There's a lady in our church. She's one of our bus captains, her and her husband. For our students, it was Kristen Johnson. She was at Walmart this past week. That's where I'm going to be buried in the Walmart parking lot. I've already decided that so my wife can see me every day. <laughs> She's going down the aisle of Walmart and there's two men in the aisle and one of them says, this is what John 3:16 means. You have to be good and be baptized and go to church. No, that's not what it means. Really, what's it mean? Well, I think that's what it means. And John 3, 16, she's walking down the aisle hearing this. And they said, ma'am, do you understand John 3, 16? She says, I do. She gave her testimony and said, here's a gospel track. It'll tell you how to get saved. She starts to leave. One of the men said, could you explain to me how to be saved right now? She led the man to Christ right there in the aisle. She told me the story. She said, he's riding my bus Sunday. I said, oh yeah, 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 right, right, right. Sunday morning, I look out, here's my Walmart guy, pastor. Here he is, he's right here in church. I baptized him Sunday. We're forgetting the bus ministry. We're going to Walmart on Saturday. That's what we're doing. You say, well, I remember when the Pokemon Go was such a craze. You know, it kind of hit the nation. Someone designed this. Many of you are thinking, I know, man, I got 5,000 characters. I mean, I mean, I almost won that. And we had people in our church property. We said, what are you doing? We're catching them. We're, you know, all these ghosts or whatever they were catching. And the little saying was, you got to catch them all. Pokemon, go. You got to catch them all. People quit their jobs. It was almost like a cult. People got on planes, flew to foreign countries because some of the creatures were in other countries. If Pokemon Go can cause people to go, how much more should the Great Commission cause us to go? The Jehovah's Witness, go. You can always spot them. Watch, watch the zeal. <laughs> You can always spot them because of the speed. You know, snails are passing them. <laughs> hey, if there's no hell, there's no zeal. There's no urgency. They go. You say, why? I'll just list them and then we're out of time. Why should we be involved in the Great Commission? Because it, it's wise. Why? Because it's the right thing to do. Why? Because the youth are ready. Read a statistic this week, recently. If a child does not get saved by the time they're age 14, they'll never get saved. We're excited when adults get saved. We ought to be more excited when kids get saved. They have their whole life ahead of them. They're, they're waiting. It's the reason Jesus came. It's paying your debt. It's because no one ever gets saved without a human instrument. God always uses people. Why should we be a part of this? Because there is a hell. If there's no hell, let's call the missionaries back. If there's no hell, let's shut down the college. If there's no hell, let's stop all the offerings. But if there is a hell, let's sink our whole life into this. I was out soul winning 
maybe two months ago and this garage was half open. It was maybe open about a foot and a half. I could see all these motorcycle tires. I came up to the door and said, hey, it's the pastor. And I could smell the marijuana smoke coming out of the dorm. Same, same odor I smell in the boys' dorm. No, no, no. But uh, I, I, could, I could smell that marijuana. By the way, anyway. But, and I leaned down and I heard this. We're worshiping Satan. So I just came back. Well, I got free Harley Davidsons to give away. How many you want? The door opened. Why? It puts excitement in our life. Why? Because we have a short time. So what do you mean by that, Pastor? The time is short for them. In our town, last week, seven-year-old girl died. Was not murdered. Something fell on her and killed her. Life is short. By the way, it's short for us. None of us know if this is our last year. In the last 12 months, I had blood clots. I had a fall. I had shingles. I'm falling apart. I think of Joe Esposito down there at Pacific Baptist in Long Beach coming back from their missions conference on a Sunday night. Honey, my head is hurting. Then he said, China or bust that emphasized China at the missions conference. Massive hemorrhage. He's done. Alive, but done with the ministry. He can't serve. He can't pastor. None of us know how long we have health. That's why we've got to give it to the Lord. Somebody's waiting. Somebody's waiting. Our little family, was that family waiting and over 50 years ago, my mother was praying by her bed, John 3, 16. She didn't know how to get saved. My dad was lost. We were waiting. And then a knock came. That changed everything. I didn't know when I surrendered to preach as a 15-year-old boy at Potigo Youth Camp, there was a city called Napa waiting for me. I didn't know. Jennifer, where are you? She's one of our students here. You're right over here. Can you stand? I won't embarrass you. Just stand. See, I didn't know that she was going to grow up one day and I'd win a man that won her daddy to the Lord. And I didn't know I would win her mother to the Lord. And one day she would surrender and come to your college. Their family was waiting. Thank you. You may be seated. Star, where are you? You're up here. I didn't know, just kind of wait. I know you don't want to stand. Okay, she's in the balcony. But I didn't know that her mom and dad were waiting and I'd go in their living room one day and lead them to Christ and that have a little girl that would one day surrender and want to come to your college. Young person, if God's calling you to the mission field, I just want you to know, there's a city waiting on you. There's a country waiting on you. If you used to serve and you've kind of backed out of serving and soul winning, hey, that bus route's still waiting on you and that class is still waiting on you. And there's a youth group waiting for you. They're waiting. By the way, 
that Ethiopian eunuch didn't stay under that tree for a year. He was just there so long. And if Philip wouldn't have gone, he wouldn't have been there. They only wait so long. Who's waiting on you right now? Is there someone at work? Has a picture come to your mind? A relative, a neighbor, a place? Who's waiting on you? Thank God for his patience with all of us. Heavenly Father, we ask your blessings on these truths tonight. Thank you for the sweet, sweet, warm spirit here. Thank you for people that came to us when we were waiting. Pastors, starting churches, missionaries, starting churches, youth directors, loved ones, family, parents, soul winners that came and reached us. Help us be the same. Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.